Hey guys, we we'll get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's kind of a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best friends of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you guys can find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you can get your podcast. We're just so thankful you guys are here, you found us, and that you guys are with us today. All right, so this podcast is a special one. This is actually a uh, listener request podcast. Um, we also had a lot of um, good comments for the other ones and even for these that are coming up. We're just so thankful for your guys' interaction uh, with the podcast and what we're doing. And we're just, we're so grateful you guys are here. So as we kind of start our conversation off, um, I, I think this is where we want to go before we get into our topic. And I think you understand a little bit more of where we're going to go as we get here. So have you guys ever been in a position where it could be the sports world, it could be in business, it could be even in your own home, it could be in different types of scenarios where you may give or you may work or you may provide or you may um, you may do all these things or work very hard and it feels like no matter what you do or or all the work that you pour out or even the the sacrifice that you give, it's almost like it's always subpar, if that makes sense. Or it's always like, well, I appreciate it, but you could have done this better. Or thanks, but this is actually what I wanted. You know what I mean? Like there's this undertone of there's no gratefulness. There's no thankfulness. There's no appreciation. There's no building up. It's always it's always pointing out and looking at your at your faults, right? Have you guys ever felt that before? That's a different that's a different feeling if you've ever felt that. And you know, right, the work and the sacrifice and the things you've given and the things you've done for those things, places and people, you understand that. But it's almost like no one else sees it, right? And so what can become very easy for you to do is you have this attitude of, well, if I've been doing all this and it's not appreciated, then most likely what are you probably going to do? You'll probably do one of two things because I've done one of two things. You'll probably do one of two things. You'll probably slow down on what you're doing for people, number one. Or number two, if you're not going to slow down, you'll completely go cold turkey and you just won't do anything at all. So you'll be, okay, so if it's not appreciated, if if your work, if you're whatever, okay, that's fine. So then you just kind of, you kind of stop and you kind of hit this wall. And now there's a level of, um, there's a level of bitterness there at times. And sometimes there can be this level of almost resentment, you know, and, and it builds up anger and wrath in you. But you don't necessarily want to, um, you don't want to express that in the wrong way to, to those people or to those places or things. So you just kind of internalize it and you just, you just survive until the next day and you just do what you got to do. Does that sound familiar? I, I hope that that can, that can kind of paint this picture and, and what we can do easily as well, guys. And, and our topic today, if you haven't got the, uh, the feeling of it, our topic is, I don't think I'll ever be good enough. I don't think I'll ever be good enough. You know, it, it, that's a sad man. It, it's a different feeling, but that's a sad place to be. And sometimes if, and think about it, let's just be real with ourselves. If you feel that way about these things that we just talked about, then God, who is above those places and things and people, how do you think God feels? Or how do you think you feel about God? Man, if I can't please them, if I can't please this, if I can't please that, if I can't do enough for this, 
If I can never do enough for that, how can I ever even get close to doing enough for God? So it's almost like you're in this spot with people and you're in this spot with God that you'll do good things. But in the back of your mind, you have doubts and you have this undertone of, man, I I feel like that wasn't enough, though. I feel like he's not pleased with that because I've never got that appreciation. I never got that care. Right. So that's where we are. You can find yourself in this gray space. So I was looking this week as I was kind of talking with some people and studying and looking at this for myself, like, where can we go to really help somebody with this? Where can we go to encourage somebody with this? And so then Isaiah chapter six popped up and this is kind of where we are. So if you're if you're at the table, check this out because you really need to see this. But if you're walking or working, check out Isaiah chapter six for yourself. And we're going to just walk through this because there are some gold nuggets here that are just absolutely ridiculous. They're amazing. There's so many great things that we can learn. So Isaiah chapter six, I just don't think, man, I just don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think I'll ever reach the standard. I don't think I'll ever reach the bar for those people and places that are around me. And then if I can't do it for them, how in the world can I do it for God? So you're almost kind of in this in this place in life where you're you're existing and you're just surviving until tomorrow. Right? It's a sad place to be. It's a sad place to be. So let's look at this. Isaiah chapter six. So before we get there, while you guys are turning there, let's give some background. So Isaiah chapter one, two, three, four, and five. A lot of bad things are happening in Judah at this time. I mean, you can read the horrible things that they're doing. They've forgotten God. Judgment is now impending on them. Captivity's coming. Bad things are happening in chapters one through five. So the setting is being set there that Judah has done some wrong things for God, right? Then we find ourselves in Isaiah chapter six. And there's almost like this pause in the judgment. And God focuses strictly on the prophet Isaiah. It's very interesting what we see here, okay? So keep keep in mind all these things that are happening and keep in mind the introduction that we just talked about, okay? So let's start in verse one and let's, let's see where this is going. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high. Keep these words in mind because we're gonna go back and check this out. He was high. He was lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. So, again, like like we like to do here, if we're pointing this out, here's the first thing that I'm seeing here. We see the presence of God, okay? Isaiah is seeing the presence of God in the midst of all this turmoil, right, in chapters 1 through 5. He's seeing the presence of God in chapter 6. But notice specifically where it starts, though. Watch how it defines and describes how God is. God is high. God is lifted up and the train of his robe has filled the entire temple, right? The train of his robe. Isn't it interesting that it starts off by showing how sovereign God is, how amazing God is. You know, And look at the imagery here. He's high and he's lifted up. You know, there's a level of appreciation there that Isaiah is showing us that he has for God. And here's the thing about appreciation. There's a, there's a positive side to appreciation, but there's also a negative side to it. And here's the flip side. If you do it too much, the flip side of appreciation is always comparison. So you can sit and you can appreciate somebody's skill, what they're doing, where they are in life. That's great to do. But then what do you naturally do after that? Man, I can't 
I'll never, I don't have the ability, I'll never have that ability. So you see what you're doing? You're constantly demeaning yourself at the same time as you're appreciating what someone else is doing. So look at what Isaiah, look at how he's seeing this. Isaiah is a part of this nation that's doing these bad things. I'm sure he's been prophesying and he's, he's supposed to prophesy more as we're going to see in chapter six. But notice how God is presented to him. God is so high. God is so lifted up. But how are we and how are, how are we as a nation right now? Judgment is impending on us. There are woes among us. There's evil among us. There's sin among us. And God is so holy. He is so high. He is so lifted up. So if we compare ourselves right now to God, what's that comparison going to look like? Well, God is just so high. He's just so holy. There's no way we could be like that. There's no way we could. There's no way we could please him. There's no way we could do enough for him. It's very easy to be in that position. But then notice the second imagery here. He's high. He's holy. And then it gives a little picture here. And the train of his robe, verse one, it fills the temple. Now, if you've ever been to a wedding before, like I've been in weddings, I've sung in weddings for some of my friends, you, you can be there. And as, you, as you're standing there, specifically from the, um, from the, the bridegroom's perspective, right? So uh, if we're sitting here and we're, if you're the best man or if you're a bridesmaid, whatever the case may be, and you're standing there and you're waiting for the wife to come in and the bride is coming in. And as the bride is coming in, sometimes what happens based off of her dress, as the bride comes in, her train fills where she's walking from. So as she's walking towards the groom, her train is just flowing the aisle, right? And it's all white. And it's a, it's a beautiful image as that train is flowing. And it may be that at the back of that train, you have people holding that up out of respect for her and for what's happening in the ceremony. So think about this from Isaiah's perspective. God is high, God is holy, God is lifted up. His train literally filled the temple and I look at myself <laughs> and I look at how sinful I am. I look at how sinful the nation is. I look at how, I, I don't know if I could ever see myself in the same image as God. So imagine the beauty that Isaiah is seeing but also, what is Isaiah doing? We're going to see this in a second. He's going to start comparing the Lord's beauty with how bad I am. I can never, I can never be like this. And and that's the that's the the tactic I believe that Satan loves to use for us. God is so holy. God is so lifted up. And here's the 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 amazing thing about this tactic that Satan uses. He knows that you are the only one that knows your heart. He knows that you're the only one that knows your faults. So now if he can get you in a space where all you're doing is sitting and you're comparing how you can never be what God wants you to be, you will never be enough. This is who you were. This is the sin that you partaken in. This is who you used to be. These are the consequences of your sin. How in the world can God use a person like that? Forget using a person like that. How can God love a person like that? So God, so Satan will use God's holiness against us. God is so high. He's so holy. 
Look at the image of his train flowing. And you're, you want to be a part of that? Why would he pick you? Well, how could he use you? Right? So look at the tactic. That it's, it's smart. It's smart what he's doing. But look at what look at the journey of Isaiah. So now you have God's sovereignty there, right? As that picture is being painted. Watch verse 2. And above this, right, in the temple, stood seraphim, angels, right? Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he was flying. So angel with six wings. So two of those wings are covering his eyes because God is so high and holy. Two of those wings are covering his feet because God is so high and holy. Now, remember what he said with Moses. No man can see the face of God. And then remember when God called Moses, right, in Exodus 4, you're standing on holy ground. Take your feet off. Or take, take your feet off. Take your sandals off. Right? Take your sandals off. Right? You're standing on holy ground. So look at what the angels are doing. They're covering their eyes and they're covering their feet and they're flying with the other remaining two wings. So now you have God's holiness and sovereignty. But watch verse 3. Look at what they're saying. And then one cried, verse 3. And one cried to another one and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Look at the image that he's painting. God is so holy. God is so pure. God is so clean. And you're comparing yourself to God. I'm not holy. I don't think I could ever be holy. So if I cannot be holy for God, then why try to be holy for him? So now as a Christian, I will be put in a spot where I'll just quote unquote survive. You see the difference? You see what we're doing? So now we do the same thing. So notice, holy, 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 without spot, so clean, so holy. Verse 4, and then the post of the door, they were shaken, and the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Right? Smoke always refers to judgment in the Old Testament. So all this is happening. And now notice what Isaiah says in verse five. So look at the presence and the picture that's painted in verses one through one through four. The presence and the picture is God is so holy, but we also know as a nation we're not. And Isaiah is looking at himself, and I know I'm not. So look at look at what's happening here. You have two pictures being painted, but then watch what Isaiah says. This is crazy. In verse five. So Isaiah said this: "Woe is me." For I am undone. I want you to keep that phrase, I am, in mind, because that's going to matter in a second. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of the unclean people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, and they have seen the Lord of hosts. You know, the, the phrase I am is really important. So I am is a powerful statement. So whatever comes after I am, that's literally what you think you are. So notice what did God say about himself? I am that I am. So therefore, who is God? God is the I am. But then notice what was Moses saying back to God in Exodus 4. I am this. I am fearful. I am this. Send someone else. 
So Moses didn't have that same I am that God had. So what is what does Isaiah have here? I am undone. That word there in the in the Hebrew, it means I am silenced. There's nothing I can say. Remember when God called Job in the whirlwind? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? What did Job end up saying? I can't say anything. I can just cover my mouth. That's all I can do. So he's saying, I am undone. And I am a man of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. So look at the imagery here. We have the presence and then we have Isaiah's pity. A lot of times what we can do, guys, is we can look at ourselves and we can almost, we can spend the rest of our life pitying ourselves. Now, again, I'm not trying to downplay the things that have happened in your life, the things that have happened in my life, the things that's happening currently in your life. I never want to downplay anyone's hurt, pain, whatever they've been through. But there comes a point where all we do is pity ourselves and we pity where we are and we pity what we don't have and we pity what we're not and what we're not getting and what we're not doing. And we, and we have this, we have this attitude about ourselves that we just walk around almost kind of aimlessly, just waiting for something to happen. It's a sad state to be in guys. And I've been there and I know you guys have been there. That's not a, that's not a fun place to be. And then you can almost get to a place where, well, even if I try, things just keep going wrong. So, so why keep trying? Why keep doing it? So look at what Isaiah is feeling. Isaiah is literally seeing how holy God is and how beautiful God is and how, how clean he is. And he said, I just, there's nothing I could do. And that's the trick of Satan. He wants you to believe that you are so unclean. You are so dirty. You are so useless. You are so, you are so trash. That there's that the God of heaven could never want you, number one. But then two, no one else on this planet would ever want you. So therefore, he puts you in this gray space where you know you can't reach or you can't attain a certain goal. But then two, you'll never want to change. So now we'll pity ourselves and we'll just stay there. You know, remember in Luke 15, remember when the prodigal son, as he was eating that pig slop, after spending his inheritance with riotous living, he was just sitting there. And he was just sitting there in the mud. You know, sometimes that's that's where a lot of us are. If we're being real, a lot of us are just sitting in the mud. And we're just sitting there, we're we're moping, we're tired. We feel like we feel like we can never reach the goal where God wants us to go. And so we've almost kind of given up without giving up. So we'll we'll show up, we'll do what we need to do. But we're almost, we're not living, we're just existing. And there's, if you, if you haven't been to a place like that in your life, it's real. You can, you can live and you can just exist. It's a sad place to be. And Isaiah is seeing here, as he's looking, Isaiah is saying, look, I'm undone. I'm undone. I know how unholy we've been as a nation. I'm silenced. There's nothing I can say. But then the angel takes a coal, and as he takes that coal, he puts it on Isaiah's lips, 
And he says, your iniquity is taken away. And then watch what he says, verse seven. And your sin is purged. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that Jesus always said that? Remember when he was washing the apostles' feet? He said, you are clean. Remember even with the, the imagery of baptism, the, the thing that cleanses us from sin? You think about what First John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. You see that word cleanse shows up all the time because we need a reminder that there's an opportunity every day for us to be cleansed. And Satan wants to remind you that there is every opportunity for you to look at yourself as dirty and trash. Is there, there's, a, there's an opportunity to do both. And sometimes we feel like I just can't be what God wants me to be. I just can't do it. I can't. I can't do what he wants. I can't. I can't be the person he wants me to be. So if I can't do that, why am I giving the effort to try it? You know, that's that's a place that we all can be. That's a place where I've been. I know that's a place where some of you guys have been. Maybe you're there now. So what happens? Notice notice the text. Verse verse uh, verse eight. So then I heard the voice of the Lord, and He said, "Who will I send? And who will go for us? Who's going to go for us? Who's going to be holy for us? Who's going to be high and lifted up? Who's going to be clean? Who's going to do this for us? Who's going to say what we want them to say? Now, isn't it interesting that before? What did Isaiah say before? He said, I'm silenced. I'm undone before. But now, knowing that he's cleansed, what did Isaiah say now? He said, here am I. Isn't it interesting before, what was he saying? I am silenced. I am a man that has unclean lips. But when God reminded him that he was clean, what did he say now? Here am I. Now, we use that verse a lot, which I understand the principle, and I agree with the principle. If we need to go out and evangelize, we need to go out and teach, we need to go out and do all these things. So, therefore, we need to say the same thing that Isaiah said. Here am I, send me. I understand that, and I agree with the principle. But contextually, what does that phrase mean? That phrase means when you understand that you know that you haven't been holy, where you know that you've been a man or a woman of sin. You know that sometimes you've fallen short. You know that you're not perfect. You know your weaknesses. You know your heart. You know your past. You know your faults. And you still have faith and you believe. And notice, you believe that God still cleansed you. So this phrase, here am I, send me. In terms of, of evangelism, I understand the principle. But we'll never say that as an individual if we truly don't believe the Lord has cleansed us. If we're in a state where we're always pitying ourselves, we're always looking at what we're not, what we can't be. The Lord, I may not be doing enough. That's a sign for me, 100%, and that's a sign for you 
maybe I, I don't fully believe that the Lord has cleansed me. So if I don't believe it, then I can't say, Lord, here I am. I can't say that. So then that goes back to our introduction, what we talked about. When you do things for people, when you work for people, when you sacrifice for people, when you do all these things for them and there's no appreciation, then what do you say? I just can't do it. I just won't do it anymore. What does Isaiah say now? I can do this. But the people's wicked. I can do it. But I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful man. But the Lord has cleansed me. You see, Satan wants us to stay there in the mud. But guys, it's time for you to get up and see yourself for who you are. You know, one thing that, uh, to be honest with you guys, as we're conversating through Isaiah 6, one thing that, um, that I enjoy doing, I enjoy reminding people of how God sees them. I enjoy reminding people of how God sees them. Because the more you listen to people and the more that you are around them and the more that you're a part of their lives, you can see how somebody sees themselves by how they talk. You can see it. Now, you may not say anything or bring it up in the conversation, but you can see how somebody sees themselves. You can see it. You can see it. But one thing that we must do for each other, we must be reminders to each other of who we are in Christ. You're cleansed. I know Satan's trying to remind you of your past. I know he's trying to remind you of your deficiencies. I know he's trying to remind you of your weaknesses. So how did Paul fight that? Remember what Paul said he had to do. Paul said, I prayed three times that the stone in the flesh would be taken away. But when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. So Paul didn't listen to the lie of Satan to make him weak. Paul remembered the promise of God to make him strong. That's what we always have to remember. Have to remember. Now, here's a flip side to this. Let's keep going. Now, this is, this is interesting. So then verse 9, he said, go and tell this people. What, what am I supposed to tell them? So now, now I understand who I am. Now I understand what am I supposed to do? How do I talk? Tell this people this, verse 9. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and understand and return to the Lord and be healed. Remember, in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, what's the problem with Israel? They're in sin. Judgment's coming. There's woes on them. So now, think about what God is telling Isaiah to do. God is telling Isaiah, I know you see this now. Because this coal has purified you and cleansed you. I know you see it. Because what did you say? You said, here am I, send me. But you know, the same message you're going to try to remind people of who they are. You're going to try to remind people about their God. But guess what they're going to do? They're going to hear, but they won't understand it. They're going to see what you do, but they won't really perceive it. 
their heart's going to be dull and their ears are going to be heavy to these words. You know, here's what's, here's the sad thing, guys. You and I can be in two places right now. I just don't think I'm good enough. I just don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm good enough for God. I don't think I'm good enough for the people that are around me. I'm just in a place in my life where I'm surviving. We can be in one or two places moving forward. One, we can be like Isaiah. And we can see and understand that God is high and holy more than we'll ever be. We can see the beauty of God. We can understand how amazing God is. And we can even understand what the angels are crying out to him in worship. But we can also understand the Lord has cleansed me. The Lord sees me differently than people might see me. The Lord sees me differently than this world might see me. The Lord sees me differently than everyone sees me because I'm cleansed. We can walk like Isaiah did. Or we can walk like the nation of Judah is going to do. Isaiah is going to preach this. Isaiah is going to teach this. Isaiah is going to live this. But they'll hear everything that he has to say. They'll listen to every sermon that he has to preach, every prophecy that he has to give. They'll look to everything that he does. But their heart is so hard and it's so dull and it's so defeated and it's so bitter that no matter what Isaiah says, they're not going to see it. They're not going to see it. You remember how I just said as we we're conversating? Remember how I just said I, I love to remind people of who they are? Here's the, here's the, what's the right word? Here's a tough part about reminding people of who they are. There's times where I've remind, tried to remind people of who they are, and they look to God, and they remember. And that's the most incredible transformation you will ever see in a person. I'm just being real. To see a person from a state of their sins and what they did in the past and who they were and to see them totally change and be a totally different person that it would literally freak you out that they're that different. That That's the most amazing transformation you will ever see in a person's life. But here's the, here's the hard part about serving people like this. Sometimes you're going to meet people that you're close with, sometimes brethren, sometimes family, sometimes spouse, whatever the case might be, you're going to meet these people. And when you meet them, you're going to say the right things all the time because you truly believe it. You truly believe the Lord has cleansed you. And you're going to tell them, I believe in what you're doing. I believe the Lord can use you in whatever capacity. You are cleansed. You are good enough for God. You're good enough for others. And guess what they'll do? They'll listen to everything you got to say. They'll hear everything you got to say. They'll see everything that you do for them. But they see themselves and they see their past and they see where they are in life. And their heart becomes so hard and dull that they just won't listen to what you got to say. But you truly believe what you're saying. I really want to be there for you. I really want to walk alongside you. 
I really believe in you as a person. I believe you are good enough for God and therefore good enough for me and for others and for all these other people. You are good enough. And you'll say it and you'll urge it and you'll plead with them and you'll pray about them and you'll cry about it and you'll do all these things. And you'll sacrifice for them and you'll, you'll try to show them through different ways over and over and over and over how much you love them because God loves them. But no matter what you do, because of the way they see themselves, they won't see it. And guys, that is the saddest thing that I've ever experienced when you help people. Because then you think you're crazy. How am I doing something wrong? Am I am I doing something wrong by encouraging them this way? Am I doing something wrong by believing in them? Am I doing something wrong by showing them how God sees them? By showing them love, by showing them concern, by challenging them, by being am I is it my fault? It's not your fault. It's just that they don't see themselves the way God sees them. You see why this phrase in its context, yes, it can be used for evangelism, but you see how this phrase, here am I, send me, it's about, are you holy? Do you see yourself as God sees you? Isaiah did, Israel didn't. So we can walk around life and I guarantee if you haven't had them in the past, you have them around you right now. You have people around you right now that are doing exactly what Isaiah was doing in Isaiah chapter 6. They're trying to show that, yes, you've done wrong. Yes, judgment is impending, but there is hope. What did the Lord want them to do? Look, let's keep reading. The Lord wanted them to see with their eyes. Verse 10, the Lord wanted them to hear with their ears. The Lord wanted them to really understand with their heart. The Lord wanted them to return and be healed. But they didn't want it. You got to get to a point where you want it. And until you get to that point, I could do all the podcasting and preaching and encouragement and being in your house and seeing you and checking in on you and texting you and calling you and FaceTiming you and sacrificing for you and crying over you. I can do all those things and everybody else can do all those things. But if you don't believe it for yourself, you won't. You won't. You see why this phrase, I don't think I'm good enough, is tough? This is why God cleansed Isaiah here, because Isaiah needed to know, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, but you cleanse me. And I believe that. I know what I've done. I know what my lips have said. I know what I've, what I've become. I know how, how angry and evil and I know what type of person I was. I know that. But I also know that the Lord has cleansed me. And if he wants me to do something, I'm not going to let myself hold me back. See, a lot of us don't even know. You think you're fighting the things that you do. You think you're fighting your past. You think you're fighting what other people say. Those are just smoke screens. 
the real fight that you're fighting is the person in the mirror. That's who you're fighting. And until you understand what Isaiah understood, that the Lord has cleansed me, here am I. It doesn't matter what anybody says or does. You will think somebody can be the sweetest person in the world. You can think somebody is a great person. You can think somebody is, is literally a godsend. You can think somebody is literally a godsend for you. But guess what you'll say? I just don't. I can't. You're so great, but I'm not. You're this, but I can't. This is about understanding from the heart by seeing yourself as God sees you. Sadly, the story ends sadly here. Isaiah in verse 11, he said, Lord, how long do you want me to say, say this message? How long do you want me to do this? Here's God's answer. Until all the cities are laid waste and without inhabitants. Until the houses are empty without a man in the house. Until the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And yet a tenth will be in it and will return for the consuming. And a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump. So what is God saying? They're getting to a point where they won't see it. So this generation that won't see it, if they don't want to see it, they don't want to see it. But he said, but they will be desolate, but I will leave hope for the next one. The Lord's given us opportunity, guys, to see it. I want you guys to really take time and do an exercise. And I want you to see the people that are around you. I want you to see the people that are encouraging you. And I want you to really listen to what they're saying. And not only listen to what they're saying, but then listen to where they're taking it from. If they're taking it from scripture, man, God really sees me that way. I could be, I could be special to somebody. I can be, I can be priority. I can be useful. I can be cherished. I can be nourished. I can be, I can be loved. I can have somebody concerned about me. Yeah. Do you want to believe it though? Well, it's not, it's, it's never happened in real life, but do you still want to believe it though? But it's always messed up when it's happened in real life. But do you believe it though? If you believe it, here am I. Send me. Man, I t you see why I, I wanted to do this one? I mean, great listener request. Um, man, I appreciate you guys listening and, and commenting and doing all these things. It just... So appreciative of what you guys are doing. And I really hope that this could encourage you and help you today and um, just kind of give you the uplifting and, and challenge that you needed to. So we're always here for you guys. Reach out to us. Um, you won't be the first one. I promise you won't be the first one. Others have to reach out to us. We want to be here for you guys and we want to walk along with you as we journey with Christ together. So Lord willing, next week we'll be back with another podcast and uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.